0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Hey there, Dr. Ross Green here. Welcome to another episode of Parenting. A challenging child. Kim Hopkins will not be with us today, but I think I think <laughs> we have Jennifer with us. Jennifer, is that you?
2: That is me.
1: I good morning. So. And I think we've got St- good morning to you. I think we've got Stella with us as well. Stella.
2: I I don't Stella, think is that we have you? Stella.
1: We don't have Stella, then we have somebody calling in from area code 602 who we're going to start with. So area code 602, hang in there for one second um, while we get our act together here. Actually, you know what? We've got a bunch of email to respond to today, but callers always take top priority on the program. So Jennifer, are you ready to jump in?
2: Sure. Here we
1: go. Here we go one second let me see what area code this is nope okay area code 602 you are on the air live what's on your mind today
0: hello um first i'm going to say there might be thunder in the background so people are prepared um so i've been doing this for a couple years now and in the b team group which has been instrumental to learning uh, but we are at a path in our journey where I'm having to work with outside organizations like the school that has varying degrees of lenses around kids and their behavior. And I'm finding that when behavioral challenges, challenging behavior comes up, that the discussion is always around the behavior. So I'm looking for – strategies and tips to deal with the school environment to help us learn um, to go more towards a CPS, like how do I involve the school and try to help – words are failing me at this point – how do I work with the school where the lenses and where their constraints might be different? And I know they're dealing with a lot right now. So like, how do I remain empathetic and reach out to them because I kind of started talking about it? Like, can I offer a book? Like what have people found success in doing with schools that aren't CPS? They're not, restraint and seclusion schools, they're positive parenting, but the behavior discussion is still there.
1: Well, Jennifer, I don't know if you want to take a crack at that. I'm happy to, but Jennifer, I think you've been through that before. Um, Want to take a crack at that and I'll I'll weigh in after you.
2: Sure. We, we certainly have been in that spot. Uh, And, you know, we were, lucky enough to be able to find at least one person in the school system who was open to other ideas, less less traditional ideas. Um, actually, we were very lucky in that one of the people in our school system actually gave me a copy of lost at school to read and said this might be helpful to you (laughs) and from there it was just a question of learning the right language to get the other people in the group on board And using what we found in Lost at School was very helpful to that. Uh, As I was listening to you talk, I was pulling up – I have a collection of quotes uh, from all of your different books, Dr. Green, on my computer. Uh, One of them that I've saved, this one is from Lost and Found, and it says, if challenging behavior is all we focus on in our discussions and meetings, then we will be led only to interventions that focus on modifying that behavior. And if we rely only on caregiver theories and explanations for the cause of that behavior, then we'll never gather the information that truly helps us understand what makes it hard for the student to meet certain expectations.
1: I love um, that quote. Did I write that? <laughs> I hate
2: to You did write that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and that that was a reminder that we offered the school on many occasions. Uh along with Lost at School and Lost and Found um I found Dr. Mona Delahook's book Beyond Behavior to be very helpful in speaking with the schools, um, I found sadly that sometimes when I talked about lagging skills with the school system, their eyes kind of glazed over and they gave me that, oh, you know, you're being a snowflake parent look, sadly. Yeah,
0: that's kind of what I'm getting <laughs> right now. We had a We had an incident where he had extreme behavior and she had to take the other kids out of the classroom and then when I spoke with with people getting in his way there's a skill and we need to swim upstream and his teacher is (laughs) incredibly like willing to try new things it's a Montessori program so it's already primed in the public schools it's already primed to have a little bit of a different like viewpoint but then Mm -hmm what happened was after they were able to get him to calm down, he was able to go back and do the work. And so there was this like, well, he can do the work. I'm like, he can now, but in the moment something was getting in his way. So like those sorts of conversations are hard because I have to figure out how to keep myself from getting escalated and keep my lens on for for them. But that I'm really having a hard time with how I, start this process without offending someone. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. Delahook's book helped us with that because
2: it it sort of goes into the science behind the whys of those lagging skills. And even though I was telling them the same exact things in different words, they were more li- willing to listen to me when I was talking about science. Right. If that, that makes, makes sense. sense. <laughs> that makes total sense. So I found that I found that to be very helpful. And then once we could, once they had embraced the idea, yeah. then I could move back into that CPS conversation where I felt much more comfortable.
1: You know, what I would say here is, Mom, I think that you are, most schools are still viewing challenging behavior. Um, while I wish it were otherwise, your situation is not unusual. There are a lot of parents who are having success with um, collaborative and proactive solutions at home who really wish their school was doing it there too. But the main thing I'm hearing is that you it sounds like you feel like you have to do a lot of this by yourself. And so my question is, Do you feel like there's anybody at school who can be your ally in this, is seeing things somewhat similarly to you so that you don't feel like you're the only one who is trying to help people see things through different lenses and adopt some different practices? Is there anybody in the building who you think can be your ally in this?
0: I am. I'm thinking to some degree his teacher might, but I am. I'm starting to get the impression that the school counselor might actually really be the best ally because we had a discussion the other. One of my proactive Plan Bs, because we're seeing school refusal. One of my things was to reach. Of my concerns that that he was going to run up against truancy is to start a conversation with the school so they weren't, so that I knew, A, what the rules were and when they report, and just so that they knew what was going on. And we had a good conversation about how just telling, you know, just going on as usual that the school refusal could get worse, and I'm concerned that if we don't start looking for root causes, then and she agreed. So I'm thinking the school counselor might actually be my best of, the different varying degrees of lenses I'm seeing.
1: So that's good because, um, you know, whatever the physiology is of you getting frustrated with the school folks, it sure would be good for you to have an ally in helping you so that you don't feel like you're doing this alone, which I think would be even more frustrating. And somebody who could kick in in a meeting if you say, can you take over here because I – uh I think it's better if, if you take over now um,
3: yeah.
1: you know what I'm saying so and, yeah. and then you also yeah. have you have some you can give you the lay of the land in the building um, it, uh, so if you can sort of create your own team here, you're not going to feel so alone you'll make you'll probably make more headway than it feels like you would. If you were feeling like the only person who was on top of this was you, right, that's my main thought, but in terms of the fact that your school is primarily focused on behavior, typical um, right that's that's a bit that's sort of the norm. I wish it were otherwise, and I think someday it will be otherwise, you know if we get enough people out there who learn about cPS and know about it. But right now you're dealing with a typical school, but if you have a few people in the building who you think are close to seeing things the way you would like them to, they can strategize with you. They can, you can converse with them. You can talk about when things aren't going well, but at least not doing it all on your own.
0: That makes sense.
1: There's my two cents. <laughs> I hope that's helpful. Thank
0: you. And, it, of it course, is, you should feel free to call in any time. It's, very, it's a very overwhelming process to start looking outside your household when you're dealing with maybe your pediatrician or your school. So it is very helpful to hear that.
1: Good. Create a team, find your allies, do it together.
2: Thank you. And good luck.
1: You bet. And good <laughs> luck you. Jennifer, we have another caller. This one is from Area Code great. Four let's jump in here. Area code 845, what's on your mind today? Yep. Area code 845, are you there? (laughs) Uh, It would appear not. No, uh, shy person. That person will (laughs) call back in, shy or maybe listening by... um, calling in, which is not the best way to listen in. By the way, if you do have a question or comment and would like to call in, we're about to jump into email now, so this is a good time to call in. It's um, 347-994-2981. And um, I think you're supposed to press the number one, if I'm not mistaken, to get in. 347-994-2981. Before we get too much further, I want to um, alert people to the fact that Lives in the Balance is Children's Mental Health Conference is coming up this Friday. And this year's Children's Mental Health Conference is focused on two, exclusively on two bills that are pending, two pieces of legislation. One is the Keeping All Students Safe Act. Um, which would eliminate corporal punishment in American public schools and severely restrict the use of, excuse me, it would eliminate seclusion in American public schools and severely restrict the use of restraint. The um, Protecting Our Students in Schools Act would finally at long last eliminate the use of corporal punishment in American public schools. There, it's free. Uh, you can find registration in the workshops and trainings page uh, on the Lifes and the Balance website. There are close to 1,400 people registered already. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what you'll learn about during the Children's Mental Health Conference, which, by the way, is being co-sponsored by the American Psychological Association, the National Initiative to End Corporal Punishment, the Council of Parent Attorneys and Advocates, Uh, the Alliance Against Seclusion and Restraint, and the U.S. Alliance Against the Hitting of Children, Um, you'll be learning about what the research tells us about um, the detrimental effects of these practices on kids, the fact that they are unnecessary, uh, alternative methodologies, and how to advocate for these pieces of federal legislation. Um, So, If you haven't registered already it's the children's mental health conference coming up this friday october 8th we need as many people um, supporting these bills as possible and getting their legislators to support them as well so there's the pitch for the children's mental health conference Uh, we do not have another caller at the moment so jennifer are you ready to turn to email
2: if i could just add one more thing uh we have been talking a lot about seclusion and restraint in conversations on Facebook especially in response to a couple of the videos that lives in the balance has put up and one thing that i've discovered is that a lot of people seem to still believe that seclusion means standing in the hallway by yourself in a timeout and people are very shocked when they learn that seclusion means oftentimes locked in a small room, sometimes a, a commandeered closet or a boiler room by yourself. Uh, so have a real clear understanding, unless they've experienced it with their children or themselves, of what seclusion in a school really is and what it can do to a child's mental
1: health. You will learn all about it during the conference. And by the way, different schools have different definitions. Different states, different school systems have different definitions of what seclusion means. There are states that are secluding kids and calling it a timeout. So Mm
4: -hmm.
1: while the phraseology can be different and even misleading, um, We need to stop throwing kids in seclusion rooms. We need to stop restraining them. And we need to stop hitting them. Um, Restraint and seclusion do not keep kids or caregivers safer. They are not crisis prevention strategies. They are crisis management strategies. And I would have a great deal of difficulty coming up with anything positive that comes from hitting a kid. It is not an act of love. It is an act of aggression. Um, teach your children well. Use strategies that are actually going to accomplish what you are hoping they'll accomplish. Jennifer, this is proof that if we talk long enough, we won't get to any email because we now have two <laughs> calls. Including area code 314, you are on the air almost as soon as the twirling thing stops. What's on your mind today?
3: Well, I think those, uh, what you just got through referring to, I think that should be left up to the state and the school district. I've uh, read the statues of the state of Missouri, and those statues said that the curriculum textbooks and instruction material is left up to the school district itself, which is the parents, and that the state and state board of education should have no mandate. And I think that's the way it should be. I listen to parents call in and make reference to the school, which is a school district, as if they're talking to a king, whereas it should be the other way around. And I really don't want the federal government telling me, a family, how to go about raising my child. I think there should be safeguards in the states, in the community, that make sure that a child is not being abused. But how a parent goes about disciplining their child, as long as it's not abuse, you know, may ride from culture and traditions within that family. I don't think the federal government should be messing with that. And one can see now well, how it's going down with masks and so forth and vaccines and that and so on. No, it's not the federal government's responsibility. Leave that to the state and uh, let the parents and the people of that state and community make sure things are going as they would want them to go.
1: Well, I appreciate your point of view. As you would imagine, you and I don't see eye to eye on that. Um, I do like the idea of uh, not telling parents how to raise their kids. I like that. Um, I only think things get interesting when, um, and you and I probably aren't going to agree on this, by the way, so um, I'll acknowledge that right from the get-go. When it's an issue of it affecting Kids in a very adverse way, uh, or uh, society in an adverse way, those are the instances in which the federal government feels like it needs to step in. Um, That's why there were National Guard troops escorting black kids into schools in Arkansas back, or was it Alabama? Back in the 60s, I guess it was. That's why there are messages on packages of cigarettes telling us that they can do harm to us. But that's also why um, a federal bill might be necessary, state like Mississippi, to stop hitting kids on the butt with a piece of wood at school 30,000 times every school year. That's, and that's when it gets interesting and somewhat controversial. There are folks who feel like the federal government doesn't have the right to tell anybody much of anything. I'm not quite that strong about it. i prefer that the federal government not tell us what to do or how to raise our kids. But I also appreciate the need that when things are getting unreasonable, the federal government may feel need to step in. And on the issue of restraint and seclusion, and corporal punishment at school. And by the way, I should mention, there are over 60 countries in the world now that have banned the hitting of children. They must be on to something. But forget, let me just finish, let me just finish, and you can talk again, I promise. Because you and I, once again, are never going to agree on this, I can tell. Um, But um, what I think those 60-some-odd countries are relying on when it comes to hitting is A fairly substantial research, body of research telling us the harm that is done by hitting kids as a means of discipline. Just like there's a substantial body of research telling us the harm done by smoking cigarettes. And so that's when the federal government steps in. So I'm with you. I like the idea federal government should step in as seldom as possible, but when there is a mountain of research telling us we are doing harm, I view that as a good reason to step in, and apparently you don't. But go ahead. I'll let you have the last word.
3: Well, there's that, such things as states' rights, and I'm, from the, I'm between the north and the south, the Delta region and, and midwest. And I see the difference in how parents and people are. The proper discipline of a child within a culture or a family, where there's many cultures in the United States, one cannot deny that. Discipline of a child is a learned tactic that parents bestow on to their children. And how that family go about doing it is, like I say, as long as it's not, abusing a child or harming a child. You know, some people think it's not right for you to uh, tell your child that they can't have candy. People uh, uh, lashed out at me when I wouldn't allow my daughter to have candy. They tend to mount it to child abuse. But that's my child. I didn't want my child to be having candy every turn of the way.
0: So, no, leave
3: the federal government out of it. You know, one other thing real quick. I noticed some districts like for instance in Texas where they have high crime in a certain area. where well, you have a congressperson that represents that district who wants to implement restrictions all across the nation whereas you are experiencing that. I am not experiencing it for where I live. So no, I think that the federal government stay out And You know the federal government want to really put some uh, help out. Let parents have full choice with vouchers where they can take their child and put them in the educational environment that is working out with the long-term plans and goals of that family rather than making that child, making that parent keep their child in the present environment that they're in, which is proven to be, in studies have proved to be, bad. So it's like your urban schools, for instance. And I am African-American, so I'm not white talking out against black. Thank you very much.
1: I appreciate you calling in. I appreciate your point of view. As you already know, we don't agree with each other, but um, uh, all viewpoints are welcome on this podcast. I'm one of those people who thinks that hitting a kid when there are less aggressive options for accomplishing the same mission does qualify as abuse, but um, that's just me. Jennifer, anything to add to that?
2: <sighs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going, you know, my dad used to tell me discretion is the better part of valor. At the moment, I'm going to leave it.
1: No worries. Luckily, we have another caller. But uh, here's the interesting <laughs> thing. You know, I, um, part of collaborative and proactive solutions is appreciating where somebody else is coming from. Yes, um, And I get that there's a strong sentiment in the United States for government not telling people what to do. Don't tread on mm-hmm. me. So there are people who like a light touch when it comes to government, Um, I like a light touch when it comes to government, but I think that there are some things that government is needed for and protecting our kids from archaic, obsolete, abusive disciplinary strategies needs to be one of them. Um, But I fully appreciate that. um, and, And here's the interesting thing. Government taking a light touch doesn't mean government taking a light touch across the board. It means government being selective about what it chooses to get involved in. And um, I think government getting involved in protecting our kids is something government should be involved in, not left up to states, especially if there are states that are still endorsing uh, strategies that are unnecessary and archaic. But we have a caller from Area Code 608 you are on the air. What's on your mind today?
4: Hi. Um, I actually called in last month towards the end of the hour, and you guys spent uh, 12 or 15 minutes with me. And since you didn't have another caller, I thought I would take uh, take advantage again of, of the opportunity. Um, Wonderful. I have, a I have a 12-year-old son with uh, ADHD and, and ODD, or uh, Oppositional Defiant Disorder, Uh, Which we struggle with the latter uh, a lot and dr. Green last conversation. We had talked a little bit about medications and you had recommended getting a a Psychiatric prescriber involved um, Which we're sort of in the process of but that can that can take some take take some time Um, And I guess subsequent to that phone call our son uh, was uh, uh, had an out-of-school suspension I'm happy to share the story uh, uh of how that occurred if, if you want me to um, again, i guess just kind of and, and you know i we we're, i'm trying to plan b stuff at home as much as as much as i can um and you know feel like I'm making some progress some of the time, but I guess still just looking for any advice or suggestions that you folks have uh we we Met with a new counselor yesterday, actually. So that was that's that's one thing that's new. Uh, we've we've met with other counselors in the past um, as well, but uh, so we'll see how that goes. Um, that's where I'm at today.
1: Well, um, it sounds like you are still uh, in limbo when it comes to meds, and I don't remember your call perfectly from the last time. But um, me suggesting that medication might be helpful, um, I don't do that too often on this program, but um, I do it occasionally in real life um, when I'm actually getting to know a kid well and knowing the situation well. So me suggesting that medicine might be helpful to you, that's that's a pretty strong statement. But that (laughs) hasn't happened yet. And so... um, I'm not sure that we have a whole lot more to add. I think you'll have much more information about um, where things stand. Once you, it sounds like you've got it in process, once you get a feel for, and if you decide to do this, what medicine is going to help and what medicine is not touching in your child. Um, but we don't have that information yet. Um, and so, I'm not positive that I have a whole lot more to add unless you have a specific question that you'd like us to answer.
4: <laughs> sorry, sorry, I just had an alarm on my phone go off there. Um one thing that I didn't get a chance to share last I guess last phone call was with you is is, is I'm a I'm a family doctor myself and since having these issues with my son I've you know tried to do a lot of research, a lot of reading, a lot of taking courses and, 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 and everything into this. And while I certainly don't have the expertise um, uh, in, in, you know, in psychoactive medication that a, that a pediatric psychiatrist would, um, or the experience, um, I certainly have looked into that a fair amount. And um, we, he is on a stimulant um, and has been on and off for the past, uh, oh, geez, four, uh, gosh, five or six years have not found them significantly helpful at home. He thinks they help a little bit at school. We think they help a little bit at school. Uh, interestingly enough, we actually, by purely accident, forgot to give him his stimulant uh, one day last week, and it was a, a bad day at school. It's not that it, this was uh, after the suspension occurred, so it wasn't, uh, it wasn't involved in that situation at all. Um, you know, I guess as far as the specific question goes, we we have a we have a i guess it might be worth mentioning too, the the school district that i'm in is that okay to mention on the air preferably not the specific district or, or any names okay um all right Well, we're we're in western wisconsin and they've you know since since i've met with them several times uh, subsequent to our last podcast they they say that they they're hoping to they've they've had it sounds like the pandemic interfered with a planned visit by you to the district um um, maybe during the pandemic, and they're they're hope, hoping or hoping to get you get you back or something. So I guess I will mention I'll mention that. But um,
1: you know, I think I know
4: what you're in. <laughs> okay. Um, tomorrow we. Uh, tomorrow I have. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Tomorrow we have a meeting with my son and and uh, the uh, uh, the teacher that was sort of involved in this out of school suspension and the administrators and the counselors and the school psychologist um, uh, to sort of talk about the incident. I sort of proposed taking a plan B approach because it does seem like they're trying to implement this in the district, and which is awesome. And but it seems like only a couple of the people maybe have had any formal, formalized training. And certainly everybody, while everybody maybe has heard of the CPS and the process, they haven't, you know, it hasn't been sort of fully implemented or embraced yet. And so I propose sort of trying to take a plan B approach in the conversation tomorrow. I haven't received a lot of feedback or thoughts on whether that's going to happen. But you know, so I'm going in with this, this conversation tomorrow with with these folks, I guess. I don't know if you'd have any advice on that or
1: My only on, advice you know, is tell them that I'm happy tell them that I'm happy to um pitch in here. Um even before they get trained formally by me in the model. Tell them I would be delighted to um do a session with them as it's specific to your son. Um if they think that would be helpful, I'd be delighted to do that and just tell them to reach out to me, and we'll see if we can make that happen.
4: All right. Well, that's, that sounds marvelous.
1: <laughs> In the meantime, it sounds like, as it relates to the meds, the fact that your son has been on stimulants for a long time um, begs the question, and, and the fact that you are seeing maybe a little, And truth is I don't know if you see much at home unless you're giving the stimulant medication over the weekend Um, because it's not a blood-level medication, so uh, often the kid is no longer on the medication when the kid gets home. Um, Obviously, dosing can be a factor. Which medicine it is can be a factor. Um, The big question I'd be asking myself is, is, is the stimulant medication doing anything? If It's not. Doing as much as we would like, is that a dosing issue? Is that a choice of medication issue? I would especially be asking the question, uh, if this is the most we're going to get out of that medication, what do we feel like we think what else medicine will address? Um, And that might be something that you're talking to the prescribing physician about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, generally, you know, I
4: think you know, these medicines are more for the ADHD side of things. I think we all think the biggest struggle for us is on the ODD side of things, and you know how helpful medication is for that. I think is pretty debatable or questionable, if, if at all. <laughs> um,
1: no, it's all a matter of whether <laughs> um, whether what's fueling the ODD is something that can be addressed with medication. ODD itself, there's no medication, but um, what might be fueling it could be a short
3: fuse.
1: That's something medication can do well. Could be uh, emotional volatility or emotional dysregulation. That's something medicine can sometimes do well. Can be mood dysregulation or anxiety. Those are things medication sometimes does well. So absolutely true. There's no medication per se for oppositional defiant disorder, but sometimes there are medications that can help us with the factors that are fueling the ODD without knowing your son or your situation well. Um, can't take any further than that, but hopefully the person who um, you're going to be consulting with can take you further than that. All right. All right yeah, it's definitely I- emotional
4: dysregulation in his, his, his case, I think. So
1: that will probably come up in your discussion. Jennifer, it sounds like you were gonna weigh in there. Well, I was
2: gonna say when my son had his first neuropsych exam done when he was in fifth grade, I think. Fifth grade, yeah. And the doctor said to me, when we met to discuss the results, he said, we could call it oppositional defiance disorder. He said, but I think that really he's just realizing that things are harder for him than they are for other people, and he's pissed off about it. I would be too. (laughs) Uh, ODD is really a collection of behaviors more than it is anything else. Um, And if you – are you on Facebook? Are you in our – our Facebook group.
4: Yeah, we're my so I am not on Facebook, but my wife is, and I, I, I used her account. And I I con- got in contact with one of you after last month's session. I think. Um,
2: okay. Yeah. All right, and there's the if if you you send a message from the Lives in the Balance Facebook group. If you send a message on there, there is another group on Facebook, and it's, it's a, a sort of a subsection of the B-team. It's not run by Lives in the Balance. It's run by another B-teamer, um, and it's parents specifically who are dealing with an oppositional defiant disorder diagnosis and okay. trying to use CPS in connection with that. And if oh, you want to send useful. me a message, I can direct you there. Very good. I'm also a member in there, so I can direct you to where that is.
4: Great. Um, and, Jennifer, I don't know if you share your last name on the air or on that. It's Jennifer, right?
2: <laughs> it is, yep. It's Trethaway. Oh, treth, it's, tr- uh... Trethaway, I
1: see it now. <laughs> no, no. Yep.
2: yep. <laughs>
1: Thank and you. And if you go to the contact I, I will form, will definitely do that. If you want to go to the contact form on the Lives of Balance website and send a message to Jennifer, I will make sure she gets it. Very good. We wish you the best, and, of course, you should call in any time.
4: Thank you so much. Thanks you all for your time and expertise and all you do for
1: all the kids out there. Thank you. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So we only have... Uh, Three and a half minutes left in the program. That is not (laughs) going to be sufficient for us responding to an email. But something did strike me about one thing I want to say about the caller just before this last caller. Um, He and I don't agree. Um, May never agree. And that's okay. Um, There is something to be said for listening to each other, even when you don't agree with each other that is good all by itself. Um, And uh, here's a sermon for you. I think that that's (laughs) something that is missing these days in our national dialogue. We are talking past each other um, and not listening to each other. And all because we don't agree with each other, it is actually possible to disagree and still listen to each other. If we don't listen to each other, then we don't feel heard, then often people jump straight to solutions and stop listening to each other, and then you have nobody listening to anybody. Just because we disagree doesn't mean we can't listen to each other. Listening is the purest form of empathy. It is not the same thing as agreeing. Um, There's my two cents. That gentleman and I probably will never agree completely about the role of government, but here's what's interesting. I've had many conversations with people who had a similar point of view, and I found that by us starting with listening to each other, we were actually able to make some headway and find some common ground It's just that you don't get there by focusing on solutions first. You get there by listening to each other first. I think that's (laughs) going to do it for us today. Jennifer, any final words before we sign off?
2: You know, Dr. Green, a couple of years ago at the summit, someone was talking about having a discussion with someone that they thought was a jerk. And your response to them was, even jerks have concerns, and they may not match yours, but you still need to hear them.
1: (laughs) I guess I can say it in different ways at different times, but this seemed like a good time to say it again. (laughs) Jennifer, thank you as always for doing this. We greatly appreciate your input, and we'll be back next month with another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. Take care, everybody.